Hey there, and welcome to Networking School, a podcast to sharpen your networking knowledge and add to your network. Join me each week for powerful interviews, strategies you can implement immediately, and connections to professionals you need to know. My name is Tish Times, and I am a sales and networking expert. I've been in the connection business my entire career, and for more than 10 years, I have been teaching entrepreneurs and sales teams to stop wasting time and money with ineffective networking. In addition to running a professional networking organization, I am in love with coaching entrepreneurs to sell with authority and network with confidence. Some of my clients have increased their income by more than 300% with the intentional networking strategies that I teach. It's time to stop playing with your income. It's time for more connections, more confidence, and more clients. It's time for networking school. So I get the opportunity to interview some amazing people here at networking school. But Pamela Slim is super special because when I was way back in my first career in the staffing world, I followed her like a stalker, (laughs) watching her speak places, looking at her blog, looking at her articles. And now we have with us in the house, Pamela Slim. So Pamela, say hello to everybody and tell us something about yourself that's not in your bio. Thank you so much for having me here so much. I am I am so excited to be here. And, you know, it's funny. I'm 54 years old right now. So, like, the longer that we live, the more parts we have to our stories. So, we, we can't include them all in our bio. The thing that's not really there anymore is that I actually spent a lot of years of my life as a passionate martial artist. So, I did Capoeira for 11 years. And then I did mixed martial arts until I got my black belt in uh, 2013. So uh, these days, I am not really slamming my body around very much, but it was a really, really important part of my history, and it definitely informs a lot of my own leadership energy, I think, in the way that I run my business. Well, that is cool. Nope, I didn't know that. I didn't read that anywhere. (laughs) And I've been watching you long enough to where I'm like, yep, that's new. (laughs) New to me for sure. So thanks for sharing that with me. Um, I'm super stoked because like I said, I literally have watched you for so many years. It's one of those moments where you meet a, like you meet a superstar and you're like, oh my God, I get to talk to this person. That's kind of, and remember I've been to your space. You know, I had the opportunity to come and speak for an organization that was hosting their event there in your space. And I'm going, Pamela Slim, the Pamela Slim. <laughs> so I'm, I'm grateful to, to have you now, if you will, in my life and be able to, to reach out and say, hey, would you come be on my podcast? And you say yes to Well, that. I love it because we have a real relationship now, <laughs> exactly. right? Because we're, we're all just ourselves and, yeah, and get the chance to do work out there. But I'm, it's been so good to meet you as well and really get to know your work on a deeper level. I sure do appreciate that. So as you know, we, we talk about lots of things on networking schools, not just networking, but the one thing that I see is that sales and networking is more about confidence than it is about competence. So tell us, Pamela, have you had a confidence journey or have you always been someone who just showed up powerfully and just was able to clearly articulate their message? What has your journey been around confidence? 
I have not always just had it. I think like many people, it's been informed by like different experiences. My, my nature, the way I've, I've always been, I identify as an extrovert. So my mom would say I'd be the first out on the dance floor from the time I was like really little. <laughs> I go to a wedding and just, you know, good music starts to play and I'll, I'll be out there. And I've always been really comfortable talking with people. Um, and that is helpful in the kind of relationship-focused way that I approach my business. But I think a lot of, it's funny, a lot of the the confidence that I feel, it is directly related to so many years that I spent doing martial arts. And maybe as a way just to give a little depth and like a little different dimension to what you're talking about, mm-hmm. I do see that the competence process developing skills, having an understanding of like where exactly you are in the journey, you know, having support to know the specific things you need to do in order to grow are things that can give you confidence. And I would always talk about like the first time that I would notice in Capoeira, because I taught all the beginner classes, like the first day person who would come in. And I would just notice a little difference in a characteristic between somebody who might come in and immediately look over at all the advanced students that were like playing their instruments and doing backflips and doing all this stuff and pretty much always have one eye on that group listening to what I was saying as a foundation. And then the difference in people that might come in and even where they had an advanced belt in some other kind of martial art or in, you know, gymnastics or other things, they would be so focused on really paying attention to the basics and having respect for learning one step at a time. That attitude, that level of openness and and a really growth mindset is one that I tend, that I I feel like leads to more of a natural relational kind of comfort because you're not so much just trying to appear to have it all together. Maybe you really are a beginner, but you have that inherent connection and confidence to be willing to learn. I love that so much. Number one, I'm still freaking out that you have all this in your background, but it's really cool because so often I think people feel like they have to, I don't know, be around certain people or pretend to be confident instead of getting those basics down and allow it to grow step by step. So I love that you said that. Who would you say, if you had to describe, you know, who you had to become, who do you believe you had to become in order to enjoy the level of, of success that you currently enjoy? I I think I've I've really just had to become the the daughter that my parents really raised me to be. There's something I appreciate so much, both about my mom and, and my dad and my bonus parents. My parents divorced when I was young, when I was about five. So I have a second set. My bonus dad, who passed a few years ago. And my bonus mom, Dee, um, who's still alive. My dad passed a couple of years ago. But there's something about the quality of parenting that I had that I'm so grateful for, where I really never had that kind of feeling that like I should be different or I would come every day <laughs> with different ideas about what I wanted to learn. Or in my high school years, I was an exchange student my senior year of high school. And my mom would say, you know, she just, she knew after a, a being with me for a few years on the planet that it wouldn't really make a difference if she said, well, that doesn't really seem unrealistic or like, how is that possible? Cause I always would just come with a lot of creativity. Wow. And I think my dad definitely always saw that in me and he modeled a lot in his own life and his work. He was a, a photographer, but he was also a very committed community 
person, community volunteer, always deeply involved in projects within its community and um, in the environment, things like that. So it's sometimes we go through our own resilience as teenagers. Now as the mom of teenagers, thankfully my kids are not too rebellious at least yet, but, but we can go through times of like trying to become somebody different or kind of resisting our roots. And the older that I get, and I really lean in on those teachings about what it means to be a kind person, what it means to truly be respectful of other people, to be open, to not consider yourself to be, you know, above anybody else to really be looking at being a good neighbor um, and a good friend, that is the enduring thing that gives me calm and peace. And it allows me to go through my friend, Erica Hines, who's the diversity, equity, inclusion consultant calls it like that fumbling and stumbling Mm -hmm. world of, for me as a white woman, like really expanding my network and community, knowing that it is inevitable, probably within this conversation, (laughs) say something that somebody who's like, really, you know, did she say that? But just to be like, ah, yes, that's part of being human. That's part of, you know, connecting and knowing each other. And um, it's so much easier for me than having this like mythical type of leadership, you know, persona that I have that never says anything wrong or like checks all the boxes of being the most inclusive, you know, community person. Because never works that way somehow. It doesn't. You're absolutely right. <laughs> absolutely. And I'm glad you said that because some people hold themselves to such a high standard that when they do have a misstep, they can't just correct it. You know, you have to protect yeah. it. You have to defend it. It's like, you know what? We're human. We make mistakes and we can learn from them and continue to move forward. So I really appreciate that. You said something that takes me off script, but it's in a great way. Because the one thing I do love about, you know, what I've kind of watched you develop is community, right? So tell me a little bit about how important community is to you and why is that? It's the center of everything that I do. It's, it's the most, it's the most important thing. And it's really the, it's the heart of work yeah. that has always been there, but more deliberately now, um, I am seeing it's the topic of my new book actually is really like how it is that you do deliberately build community, build an audience, you know, build a really strong customer base for your work. Ironically, it's my, it's my degree in college. So Uh my degree in college was international service and development, looking at economic development, using education as a tool for social change. And so it, it goes to it goes to many levels for me. It goes to a spiritual level. It goes to just a life purpose level of I absolutely believe that every person has a right to stability, economic, you know, economic stability, a a peaceful home life, meaningful work. And we have so many barriers that we have erected in order to prevent that from happening, you know, and the only way for me that I really know to, to work at that is in collective with other people who are doing the work because it's impossible, I think, that anyone could make the kind of changes that we need to make without working together. So it's just like, I feel better. My kids tease me all the time. I'll like, you know, weep at commercials that have to do with, you know, neighbors working together. It just, I can't help it. It's everything about what I believe in and who I am in my work. I love that. How, what would you say, if you had to pinpoint it to maybe one, two, or three, what have been the most important connections for you? Oh, whew, that is very hard. Yeah. But 
One that's not her is my best friend, Desiree Attaway, who we've been best friends for 36 years since uh, our freshman year in college. We met uh, the first day at college when we were fresh-faced 18-year-olds. And she is an amazing person, amazing human being, an amazing friend. And we've been, other, we've been able to grow each other through so many different iterations, including in business, as, as she now has been 10 years in business. But everything about who she is and how she shows up in the world and certainly her body of work now around diversity, equity, inclusion is um, been just absolutely transformational. I think for who I am, I don't think I would be the person who I am today were it not for her. Um, and I, I would say the same thing about my husband, Daryl, you know, that, that meeting him and I was a little bit of an older mom. We, we, we got married, I think, when I was like 36, we had our first uh, child, Josh at 38 and then Angela at 41. So there was something about, you know, meeting him with also all his infinite wisdom, um, the way he shows up in the world of being such a great partner that definitely has allowed me like all, all of my, this stage of my work within, when I started escape from cubicle nation, when I started doing startup work and writing books and all that is when I connected with him. And I don't think there's a coincidence right. based on the kind of support that I've gotten. And probably the third person is Guy Kawasaki, who is a writer and a VC um, in Silicon Valley. He's the chief evangelist for Canva, for those of you who love Canva. But I just love, yeah, he's been, you know, and it's, it's had really explosive growth and, and due to a great product and amazing female founders. And also I think from his support, but part of what he really represents to me is somebody who definitely has a big reach in what he does in a really specific lens. He was really helpful early on. He actually kind of introduced me to the world. He posted one of my blog posts on his blog, the open letter to CEOs across the corporate world. But what I've seen in recent years that I appreciate so much is he totally stands up for what he believes. He's been a very vocal um, in his support for social justice, for Black Lives Matter, for just specifically really standing, using his platform um, in, in the purpose and, and for the service of making a more just and equitable world. And I just appreciate that so much about him. It is so rare to find somebody whose true character is actually like as cool as his really large platform and important ideas. It's like rarer than I think most of us, you know, want. It's unfortunate, but there's not a lot of that kind of ethics or integrity in the world, unfortunately. Not at all. You're absolutely right. And now that you mention it, I want to say he is how I found you. Because many, many years ago, he was speaking at South by Southwest and I ended up on his website yeah. And then I yeah. think that's where I saw your blog. And then, you know what I mean? I think that's where the breadcrumbs kind of leads when I started to follow you and to read your blog. Isn't that interesting? Thank you, guys. Thank yes. you us <laughs> How amazing is that? Yeah, I think that's really, really awesome. If you had to sum up your journey, and this is hard, I know, for most people, but if you had to sum up your journey in one word, what would that word be, Pamela? Um, trust. I think it would be trust. Mm, would you be willing to expound? Why is that? Um, my own, I think my own just personal journey has been one of really um, learning to trust myself, to trust my intuition, to trust my decisions, um, to trust my point of view that I have, you know, in business. But it's also based on 
really building relationships where you have like a real actual relationship that is built based on trusting each other. And it's one of the things I'm, I'm writing about in the book that, boy, there could be a whole book just about this, but there's a lot of heartbreak even in business relationships and the way that sometimes over time, right. That we evolve Sometimes, you know, we all make decisions that not everybody agrees with. There's sort of like, you know, the business breakups, there's the going in fresh faced, excited about, you know, doing, doing certain partnerships and having it not work. Uh, There's beloved clients who might, you know, choose to go work with somebody else or like, there's actually quite a lot of, of, of those heartbreaks, kind of like business heartbreaks that to me, like the, the deeper level of it it doesn't ever mean that we have to get to a place where we become cynical, right? Like mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm over, you know, I'm canceling this person, you know, like I want to destroy them. I don't really care what happens to them, like at a deeper level. And for me, again, that kind of hits more on that spiritual level is like what I want for everybody is to have a healing path. Like what I'm always going to be is, focused on, you know, no matter what it is that somebody has done, like I want them to get well. Now I may need to put a boundary to say you can get well far away yes. from, from me because it's not a healthy interaction for us to have. Yeah. But that that deeper foundation of like I trust that we can and will make really hard changes. We can and will support each other's healing, you know, that there is a better day no matter how bleak things get, you know, these days it's kind of hard sometimes to, to find that, but I, I have to believe that that's possible. There's so many people who suffered so much harder times than I have at this point in my life. And so like, I just, I have to trust that things are going to get better and that the only way they are is where I can really get grounded and do, do the best work that I possibly can. God, you just said such a mouthful, so many good things. And this is why I think it's so important because we talk a lot about building relationships. And I think it's a real thing. And I think it's something we have to embrace. But I think on the other side of building relationships is that part is when things don't go exactly how we envision them, that we're still willing to support the relationship, even if it means boundaries, but the relationship is that I want you well. You know, there's, yes. a, there's a scripture I love, and it says we should be makers and maintainers of peace. So it's mm-hmm. like, even if we're not best buddies, even if our business deals didn't work out quite as we expected, yeah. I still have a responsibility to maintain peace for me and for you. And I love that. Yes. That is so good. Yes. We're going to have to dive deeper into that next time we talk, because that's good <laughs> stuff right there. <laughs> but what I really want people to hear, because I keep referring to, you know, all the years back, when I started following you and now when I moved to Arizona, like, Hey, she lives here. Tell everybody what you're up to now. And I'd love you to share a little bit about your book and how people can get it when it's ready, all of those types of things. Yeah. So the main thing that my husband and I have been up to for the past four years, going on four and a half years is um, work here at the main street learning lab, which is right on main street in Mesa, Arizona. And I like to call it main street everywhere. Um, it was a very specific endeavor as, uh, like five years ago, I did a 23 city tour around the U S at places where I had done book tour stops before, 
doing, I called it the unbook tour. And I kind of wink at my friend, Scott Stratton, who wrote the book Unmarketing, because it, the idea was to do a book tour before there was a book, really testing and trying different ideas that I have really about this very specific approach to community building, you know, that's highly relational, but also where you're like, a lot of people just don't realize there are all these, I call them watering holes, like gatherings of people in person or online that can be like hundreds, sometimes thousands, sometimes millions of like, you know, ideal contacts and customers. And we're just kind of blinded by our, you know, the, the general way that we see the world of just what we see right in front of us. And I'm sure you find the same thing in your work with networking. You know, somebody might say, I remember reading an article, I think, in the New York Times, where there was a woman who had her master's in communication. And understandably, she was really upset. She'd been let go maybe from a university. And she was just feeling like, like there are no opportunities for me whatsoever. And I remember thinking, wow, with a master's in communication, like I know probably 50 entrepreneurs who are dying for somebody who writes well in order to write copy for their business and write, do all these other kind of things. Right. So part of, part of what um, I really discovered, like as I was doing this kind of testing out the model and figuring out what was, what was important to people, um, in terms of what they wanted to really learn about building an audience or building a community um, is first of all, that not everybody knows things that you and I might just consider to be just, you know, basic kind of easy around networking is yeah. not easy for many people. True. The other thing that we realized um, is I asked starting from the first city where I did the first stop in Berkeley, California, I'm originally from the Bay area is, um, I asked how many people have ever seen a Native American business expert as a business presenter at a business conference. And I asked in every single city, 23 cities. And the answer was the the sum total were seven people who had ever seen a Native American business expert at a business conference. And four of those were in Vancouver, Canada. So that really led us to think as parents and as community members, we know that there's not a lack of amazing talent in Native American business owners and Black business owners and Latinx and so many different categories here in Arizona. The right. problem is not that people didn't exist. The problem was that, that they were not visible and sometimes for very specific systemic reasons. And yeah. that's really what uh, what got us excited to open up this space where basically like the event you came to, we have leaders from these communities that are leading sessions that are doing their work, kind of gathering people together in right. you know, non-COVID times as a physical space. And it really has been a working model to, to really test and try the, the particular approach that I'm writing about in my new book, which is called The Widest Net. We're actually working on the subtitle right now, but the whole idea is just that, you know, there's so many ideal customers around you that you may not realize. And there's a very specific process that you can do to begin to build relationships one to many to really create connections. And I use that model specifically as I was doing community building here. And it's kind of amazing to see like what it is that we've been able to create in a pretty short period of time. So that, that process is one. I'm going to be telling this story in the book. Um, it, it is set it's my publisher is McGraw Hill. So we have the target publication we have is like the second week of October in 2020 next year, 2021. Okay. There will be the biggest, funnest two day block party 
slash workshop slash community gathering to support the development of that book. So anybody who's listening who is in Arizona, and even if you're not, that is going to be the place to be. There will be DJ dance parties. There will be deep, amazing connections between people. There'll be features of people here in downtown Mesa that I'll be talking about in the book. But all of that, if you just follow me at PamelaSlim.com, you know, send me an email or follow me on social for sure, I will be sharing a lot about all of these plans coming up. Oh my God. I am excited for it. I was about to say, how can I help? But I will definitely be there. And you have the word. (laughs) I say it in front of the world, whatever I can do to help you let me know because I'm excited for this. And I think it's a necessary book. And if you all who are listening are just wondering, well, should I listen to this? Should I get this book when it comes out? If Mm. you love, most of us love like Brene Brown. Brene Brown talks about Pamela Slim's book before her last book. So I'm like, you want to make sure that you get plugged in to what is happening in the world of Pamela Slim, as well as when this book comes out, we will promote it ourselves, as well as follow, find it and get it and share it with your community, because I know it's going to be a world changing book. So thank you so much, Pamela, for being here. Would you be willing to share how people can reach you right now? Yes, thanks for having me. Uh, you can reach me at Pamela, Pam at PamelaSlim.com if you want to send me a message. And my site is PamelaSlim.com. And that's where you can find all the different ways to connect. I am so stoked for everything that you have going on. And I'm so blessed, tremendously blessed just to have you in my world. And thank you for agreeing to be here with us at Networking School. Thank you so much. I feel the same about you. So thanks so much for having me on. Absolutely. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Networking School. Go grab your complimentary networking handbook at tishtimes.com and make sure to follow and subscribe to Networking School on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and all the wonderful spots you go to get your podcast. I would be so very grateful if you left a review of the show. Make sure you follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. And remember that relationships are the catalyst for success. So get out there and make some intentional, authentic connections.